Heidi and I did talk about starting something again together. You know, we what we did was amazing and we've come out the bestest of friends still. For me, I, I didn't want to risk our friendship. Hi everyone, I'm Nikki Brigger and welcome to the latest episode of Finding Fearless with Murray Claire. Now, Sarah Jane Clark is practically fashion royalty in this country. For 16 years, she and her bestie, Heidi Middleton, ruled Australia's runways with their hotter-than-hot brand, Sass and Bide. Since selling up five years ago, Sarah Jane has gone on to launch her own lifestyle brand, SJ Made for Travel. But more intriguingly, she's transformed her life, given up alcohol and has now become an inspiring advocate for living life sober. Her raw honesty, humour and commitment to her Instagram has won her legions of fans outside of the fashion pack and it's fuelled her desire to take on the huge task of tackling Australia's drinking culture. She sits down with Deputy Editor Mel Gordron and proves yet again she's ahead of the curve. Over to you, Sarah-Jane. So, SJ, let's start at the beginning. Back at the turn of the century, you and your great mate, Heidi Middleton, famously started a stall at London's Portobello Street Market, selling your take on jeans and denim. This launched the start of what was a 16-year partnership and known to the world as Sass and Bide, one of Australia's great fashion legacies. Mm. What a ride that was. Fast and furious. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you can say that now. I assume at the time it was like, oh, my God. Well, at the time you don't really know any different because you're in there and you're doing it and you just do it, you know. And the busier you get, the more you can do It's in a way. So we just – looking back – I was like, oh, my God, how, how did we do all that in, you know, like to fit all the things that we did in one day and then go home to young children and partners. And yeah. so it was it was very mad. Like looking back on that, what was your biggest achievements in that time? I guess the Sarah Jessica Parker moment really launched the business globally when we we're walking back from a sales appointment in New York and yep. walked past the film set and Sarah Jessica Parker and her crew were all there filming, um, which was what one of the biggest shows of the time. At the time, then. 100%. Major. Yeah. Yep. A bit like running into the Kardashians or something now, you know. <laughs> and we ran over and we gave her our denim jacket and so we said, And so right. what did you do? Did you literally... I had the little funky Thompson jacket on, so I took it off my back and we went over to the security guard and we said, can you please give this to Sarah Jessica Parker? We love her. (laughs) And he took it over to her and then, you know, we watched this from, they had these barriers around the set so you couldn't get in. And then we saw her face and she comes running over and she goes, oh, girls, that's so lovely that you gave me this jacket. (laughs) This warm jacket because you've been wearing it. This lovely used jacket I want to see more of the collection come and meet me tomorrow on Fifth Avenue in my trailer at 11 o'clock so we're like yeah sure (laughs) (laughs) so then the next day we packed all our little clothes in a bag and off we went to meet her in her trailer yeah and she you know she chose two outfits to wear on Sex and the City Yeah. yeah and that from that sort of moment which actually speaks a lot about her too because a lot of people about Sarah Jessica Parker because a lot of big stars like that wouldn't even take the time to come okay. over and yeah. even first of all thank us and yeah. then it, then to invite us in to see more of the collection so it was it was just sort of like-minded people meeting and yeah. um, 
Yeah. That was, it was a beautiful moment. So between the times, so I think it was back in 2014, both you and Heidi left Sassen mm, High. Yes. And I assume, like, so then it was like a bit of a four-year hiatus before you started your current creative venture, um, yeah. Sarah Jane Clark, the label. In that hiatus, what actually happened to get from Sassen Bide to your latest? So the first year, I took the whole year off. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. didn't do anything and I decompressed. I... Well, I self-diagnosed with adrenal fatigue. So, oh, did you? Yes. Yeah. And then I went to see a doctor and she did blood tests and she was like, yes, right, we've got to just completely be stress-free for a year and just relax and, you know. So obviously I was like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> so <laughs> The doctor told me I have to lie here. I have to do nothing. <laughs> That's right. Then we moved house. So then for the sort of second, third year, I renovated. I did a lot of interiors. And oh, okay. That kept me busy. And then when I started worrying about that the PowerPoints weren't exactly in line in the middle of the skirting board and my mother was like Sarah Jane I think you might need to go back to work now darling it's so true <laughs> sometimes I still fight whether I should just be at home in us in the one sense because there's so much to organize especially with boys because completely they're they're messy and you become the servant yeah, yeah. so yes where's, where's the inspo there where's the where's your oxygen in that moment you know it just ends up yeah. being a whole heap of to-dos don't yeah you think? yeah there is a lot of to-dos yeah but anyway I, I digress your mum said to you wisely Sarah Jane <laughs> what the hell are you doing yeah time yeah. to get back to work so then I thought okay yeah I need to do something creative again so I just started with a small tiny collection which was based around travel because I also during the four years I did spend a lot of time traveling and going places and I just thought well actually there's no clothes in the market at the moment where I can just throw on still look quite elegant and Mm -hmm. sophisticated and stylish but then I could wear them on the plane I can wear them to dinner that multitasked for traveling nice so it's a nice um it's a nice niche really isn't it it like is a nice the travel the travel yes, wardrobe the travel wardrobe so just explain a bit about so the so the sarah jane clark label yes. philosophy is effectively fueled by travel really yeah it yeah. is it's um it's it's more about a way of life rather than a place so it's just about having clothes that can take you places that are easy multi-purpose mm-hmm. um and I use a lot of linen, so it's linen is a biodegradable fabric. So you know, should they end up in landfill, at least they break down. I feel that there is more about there is a sustainability kind of aspect to the yeah, absolutely. As well. It's got a much gentler footprint on the earth. Yeah. Um, now, in the sense that uh, I only do two collections, I do pre-orders so that we can meet demand um, yeah. rather than having excess stock. I do cut a few little extras on the end, but we don't have rails and rails of yeah. stock. So, And also I think it's nice that people, you know, there might be only 20 made and so you're not going to yeah. see it everywhere. Yeah, it's not a trend-based company, so sure. you, you're not sort of churning and burning. I think the aim is also to evolve it into kind of like lifestyle aspect as well oh yeah so the fashion element is just a tiny 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 winny bit (laughs) so I really want to um, find some treasures from my travels which my first lot of treasures are 
hopefully arriving mid-December, just in time for Christmas. <laughs> how so, convenient. How convenient. <laughs> so, um, yes, it's more a lifestyle brand rather than a fashion brand. And how has that, that gone, like even evolving from what was a partnership-based business yes. to a solo venture? How has that changed how you work? Well, look, Heidi and I did talk about starting something again together, <gasps> but... Heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) But then we both decided that. (laughs) That was disappointing. (laughs) But uh, that, you know, it was time, you know, where we were in our life, we were probably, you know, and we we run quite different households. And so um, we just both thought that it's best that, you know, we what we did was amazing and we've come out the bestest of friends still. And, you know, we. For me, I, I didn't want to risk our friendship. Yeah. Um, and um, I think, you know, just this time of life, it's important to express yourself and your own creativity. Of course, there's this whole other venture going on in your life that mm. I'm completely intrigued by. Mm. So back in, I think it was December 2016, you yes. decided to go alcohol-free for a year, correct? Oh, yes. What happened there? Where did this come from? Oh, gosh. Well, this is such a big conversation, really, because I I guess where I was then and what I know now is is quite different. But so back then, um, I, you know, I I had been drinking really since I was probably... 15, 16. <laughs> yeah. And um, there was a big binge drinking culture where I grew up. I grew up in Brisbane. Yeah. And it was all about, you know. Getting it on. Getting yeah. it on. Yeah, How yeah, many yeah. drinks can you get yeah. into you before you even go out? So, you know, you'd yes. meet at a friend's house and or you'd go to happy hour and how many drinks can you drink in, in the happy hour? Yeah. So um, I spent a lot of time in my 20s, um, teens and 20s binge drinking yeah but then towards I guess towards sort of my late 20s just before I started or just as I was I was starting to have children as well then when I was when I was drinking you know if I had a, a night out on a weekend like I wasn't a drinker I hardly drank at all during the week but yeah. you know come Friday or Saturday night yeah it, I o'clock. think it was yeah. my you know stress release moment where For I sure. just let it all go yeah and I quite like the idea of getting a little bit out of control and you know that I just didn't have to worry about anything so it really numbed a lot of things for me so I can now look back and see that I I was probably a dangerous drinker in that sense and I just got to the point where I was if I had had a couple of drinks, even five or six drinks, that I was getting to a point where I'd wake up the next morning. Well, first of all, I'd wake up at three o'clock with the headache and, yeah. the, you know. Go for the Panadol. The, yeah. Well, I I would never really take any Panadol or anything because I just thought, right, you did you did the crime, you did the time. <laughs> so I'd suffer through it. Oh, my God. And then, you know, you just, then the anxiety would set in you know, at three o'clock in the morning. What did I do? Why did I say that? Oh, my God. Why did I dance like that? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I just wouldn't sleep. And then I'd just be so exhausted, so tired the next day. I had young children. You know, yeah. it was just like how. And then it just started to get worse and worse. And I was like, okay, there's something just not right about this. I think, you know, obviously I'm not feeling good about myself and yeah. I need to look at why and what's happening in 
in my world that's making me feel like that. And I really broke it down to be that it was drinking and it was just this bad cycle I'd fallen into. Yeah. yeah. So it took me... It kind of coincided with, like, you'd already had your personal adrenal fatigue, you know. Yeah. So you're already on a bit of a wellness health kick. Well, I've always been really interested in wellness and I, you know, I don't read fashion magazines and things. I I read wellness books. So that is another passion for me. But at that time when I gave up alcohol for the year, I, I remember Googling no alcohol for a year and really... Not a lot came up because I wasn't Googling the right words like sobriety or alcohol-free. Oh, right. or, yes, yes, yeah. So I sort of had to get through that year on my own. It wasn't until sort of later on um, the year after actually that I started finding people like Annie Grace who does a great podcast and right. a great book about her experience of giving up alcohol. And it's when I started reading that I started really looking at alcohol in a completely different way. Um, And she also, what I liked about her book and the way she explains it is Mm. is that alcohol is an addictive substance. So it's not not your fault that you want to keep going for more because it's it's addictive. How did you go in your year? Like, you know, was initially was it like really, really hard or? I guess for me, I hid my drinking, not hid it because I, but I was, wasn't very proud of my drinking habits. So instead of talking about it, I used to just tuck it away and pretend that that mm. Saturday night didn't happen. Yeah. That, that, that was that's fine. But don't you think this is so common in Australia that we we do have a binge drinking culture, or just an an acceptance of alcohol in our lives that is barely questioned, and it's either well, and so fact, people have like shame and everything around it. Yeah, I mean, drinking's almost celebrated here in Australia. Yeah. I think I think it's changing now, and you see a lot more talk about the dangers and yeah um, addiction of alcohol but you know everything we do here in Australia when you go to a birthday party yeah. you drink if you're birth of a baby you drink if you you know yeah done something great at work drink even workplaces they encourage you to go for drinks the thing that gets me is that um the the gyms so you're on this shred moment like yeah. they say okay everyone we're shredding for a week or two weeks we're going to have teams so then you're shredding and then they say at the end of it, okay, 7 o'clock we're meeting at a pub for a drink. <laughs> it, I was like, hang on, is that true. just not? <laughs> anyway, that, yeah. that, so now when you start focusing on the messages that the alcohol companies give to the public, you can just sort of start seeing straight through them. Completely, but I, I kind of feel like there's that, like I think people are aware or getting more, as you were just saying, getting more knowledgeable about the health aspects of, um, yes. of of consuming alcohol, but I should reckon the most difficult thing of even contemplating giving up alcohol is the social expectation around it, and how then it can. Or I think what people are afraid of is that then, God, God, how do I get to go out with my mates, and how do I, and yes. how I think another really interesting thing is the persona that you've got when you're drinking, and how how you to remove yourself from that. Yeah, absolutely. How do you then? extricate yourself and recognize either a I don't want to be that person and then be your own your own version of yourself and because usually you've got a whole heap of like people who socially Mm. know you as that person yeah and then like 
what was that little journey like for you? Yeah, look, it's a little bit of a rewire. Um, I think it starts within you. So you've got to be ready to change. You've got to start, you've got to sort of unpack some stuff that you're probably not dealing with from either childhood or teenagehood or wherever it comes from. So um, I think you've got to sort of peel back all the surfaces and and really have a look at who you are and and what you're about. Um, I think the other reason I actually announced it through Instagram was because I wanted all my friends to know that I wasn't drinking for a year and to leave me alone and that I I needed this time to... Mm -hmm be you know I needed supported I needed support not like oh come on what are you doing why yeah. are you drinking so did you still get that oh yeah, yeah. One, one friend said to me oh don't be a dickhead I'm going to bring over champagne tonight we'll talk about it <laughs> I was like um, I might have this well meaty support there but <laughs> I was like oh okay um I'll call you <laughs> So, yes, and, you know, you got a little bit of that at the beginning because yeah. you've also got to understand that they were fearful because they knew that they were going to lose me out of that group and yes. and they knew that, oh, you know, they couldn't drink with me anymore. So yeah. that then shines a light on their drinking habits yeah. and what drinking means to them. And, you know, if they've got any issues or problems around it, they'll go, oh, okay, she's giving up. What does that mean for me? Did you have to unpack stuff about your own oh yeah we've all yeah. got stuff don't we yeah yeah I, I love all the I love all that stuff too and I love oh I love all that stuff yeah 100%, because and you need time to do that you see yeah. when I was at Sassenbide for the 16 years there was just not a minute spare to yeah to didn't have the mind space I really. didn't have the mind space yeah. I didn't you know I just wasn't ready for that but then once I left there and I spent some time and reflected on mm. myself and my behaviors then that allowed me then to sort of dig deep and pull yeah. out yeah, some yeah, yeah. of the big things. What was the impact like on your family? Oh, well, they loved it. <laughs> Daniel, <laughs> my partner loved my year off because he always found it quite hard to control me anyway once I had started drinking and he could see sort of the change that um, happened. Did drinking cause problems? You well, know. drinking causes problems. It does. Cause it problems. does. It yeah. causes, drink, yeah. you know, alcohol and drugs. Are, it tears families apart. It, you know, ruins relationships. You see so many people these days mm. breaking up because you know one of the one of the two out partying or still want to. Yes, and it's like. Is Daniel much of a drinker? Uh, he uh, he does like um, a few drinks, but he's not like a crazy drunk like I am. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's a very he could have. You know, he could have five scotches and you wouldn't really know that yep. he's a subdued drunk. Yeah. Whereas, um, whereas you're on the dance floor. Yeah, I'm like, woohoo, this is <laughs> amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And has it affected um, friendships? Um, actually, I thought it would affect friendships, but if anything now, um, it's deepened friendships because when you're not drinking, you have such a better connection with people. And that's really... I, I would never have thought that when I was drinking because when I was drinking, I thought, you know, I need to drink because, you know, you're sitting in a dark corner and you're talking... Confessionals. Confessionals, kind of yes. yeah. And yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, we're so connected. Yeah. But then the next day you wake up with a hangover and you never speak to them again. Yeah. Whereas um, now I find the connection is so much better with friends, with family, mm. and you just, you're more real and authentic and, you know, what you say is... 
more you know it's it's it or doesn't the, have the it's not fueled by correct alcohol. it's actually what you're thinking yeah. yeah and you can remember it the next day and you can remember that's the beauty of it yeah. also is that you actually remember all the little things of the night and the little conversations and it's 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 just a mind it's a shift in mindset that you know we've been sort of fed to believe that alcohol provides the good times i do like about how you've become like it's not just your own private you know little thing anymore you've basically turned it into a (laughs) a movement where you're encouraging other people to also um you know to consider a a sober life i love your tips um about going through life alcohol free kind of things like like carry a champagne glass with sparkling (laughs) apple juice in it so that you can so people aren't always and you want another you know aren't on your case kind yeah. of thing um and if you love a particular spirit you can find an alcohol free substitute and like know your triggers so if you always like drink with a particular friend then try and then change things so that you're meeting them for breakfast rather than yes. in a situation where um, yes but i'm kind of interested in how what made you decide to become like a public face for this like it's not it's not your usual style like as you said you're no. not the party girl you're not the, someone who's like puts herself out there all the time no. so how come you've decided to to lend your voice to this oh look I think it's just important um it I didn't sort of really mean it to become a movement yeah. but I <laughs> as is often the case <laughs> I just thought it was very unusual for me to do that because normally yes. I would have hidden all of that but then there was something about exposing it that felt I I felt so vulnerable with it but then it also gave me strength yeah and then the more the more I posted then I'd get these amazing you know little beautiful little comments from people that just lifted me up and took me to the next week and then also I found that people were really curious and and really interested in the topic like I've never had so much um sort of activity on my Instagram handle. Yeah. Um, it's but true. over that time it was they were very engaged and people want to know. I mean, it's a big – it is a big problem in our culture. Yeah. I, I also like, I like how you um, address the um, that social – like which you've kind of talked – you've kind of touched on that social expectation of drinking in Australia. Like it's the one thing – I think you gave a really good example, which is if you're giving up smoking, no one ever says to you, oh, go on, just <laughs> – just have one. Just have one. Whereas there's this constant encouragement in yes. Australia that is really – and well, I kind of feel like that's the battle. That's the battle to give up alcohol in Australia. It's yeah. the social. Yeah, and there's, there's not many options or places to go now which don't sell alcohol. But yeah. the good thing is is a lot of the restaurants now around Sydney and around the world are offering – amazing alcohol-free cocktails and it's a really the movement is happening and it's happening now and I think people can now say look I don't drink and people are now more inspired by it than threatened by it yeah yeah I think you're right what what have you learned about yourself from being alcohol-free oh look I think I've learned that everything I really needed was inside of me but I just didn't Mm. really tap into it and I I um I've also learned that you can just feel so amazing and connected with people um, without alcohol and you just feel so much better. You know, mentally you just feel so much better. You're so much more focused and so um, much more motivated and you can just – you get so much more done when you're not drinking. Yeah. The 
drinking wastes so much time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sit around. I mean, you sit around. You can sit around for like six or seven hours drinking. Yeah, I mean, it's all, nearly a whole whole day. So a lot of time and effort goes into drinking. It's true. It's true. And you don't. You, you're right. You don't even think about it. Do you feel that this is a um. Like I feel like it's part of a bigger journey for you. Like it's like, do you feel that, or do you kind of? Well, definitely since um, since you know, really cutting back on my drinking and giving drinking up, so sort of the magic sort of happens. Like good things come. I'm actually just about to take singing lessons. Shut yeah. up! Why? So, because not I why quite badly. Love singing. Why? As in, how amazing? Yeah, I love singing and I just thought I now I just I love pushing myself into the hard zones. So and that in your post alcohol life. Yes. Yeah. What what do you think of the Australian fashion industry currently? Um look, I think it's tough and I think mm. there's a lot of people getting weeded out and um it's it's making everyone probably sort of um shape their businesses a little bit better. Mm. Um but there's some exciting talent there. It's just... Um, Are there any particular brands that inspire you, either locally or overseas? Yeah, look, I, I always... I love the emerging, but I, I also love... Um, for like, in Australia here, like, Romance with Born, I really appreciate mm. what they do because they're true creatives. Yeah. And, and we need more of that. So it's wonderful to see them succeeding and growing and getting bigger and bigger. But actually on that, I know that mm. like we interviewed earlier this year um, Pip Edwards and Claire oh, Chagone yeah. from I mean, um, they're doing amazing P things. Nation and they've basically um, said that that you've taken on a role as more or less a mentor with them and their business. How did you, fi- how did you find that? Is that, weird? Is that weird for you? Or? Oh, I love those two and they're so creative, so driven, so, um, you know, determined yeah. and, and that's – fabulous and you can see that in the results that they've had in such a short time yeah and uh, look that we'll speak now and then if they need advice and but I sort of feel like I know where what they're going through because it's yeah. been such a quick rise and yes. you know they're everywhere it's similar, and it? it's yeah. a very similar journey to Sassenbide so it's been really lovely sitting watching Pip and Claire um do you like playing that role as mentor? Yeah, I love mentoring. I think it's important for us to be sharing our knowledge. It's I, one thing I did. I do think in Australia and in Australian fashion is that we need a almost like a, a bible that gets updated um, mm. every year of makers, cutters, fabric suppliers, um, all the all the magazine publications, PR firms, because to find information is really difficult, especially yeah. for somebody who hasn't even stepped their toe, stepped into fashion yet and they want to just launch. It's like if you don't have the means to have access to somebody in the fashion industry, then, you know, how, where do they start? So I think a, I think a, sure. even a website or something where yeah. people could just, as a resource. Well, what would you say to someone who, you know, is considering venturing into you know, selling their own fashion brand. Mm, okay, well, <laughs> uh, I would say to be really certain that that's what you want to do because at the end of the day, like designing fashion is probably 10% of running a fashion yeah. empire yeah. or business. So yeah. if you want to be a fashion designer, then maybe 
and you don't want all the other stuff, then you should then go and work for someone. But if you're wanting to launch a business, then that's a whole different thing. And it's designing um, is amazing, but then you've got to get the PR, you've got the finance, you've got the sales, you've got yeah. you know everything else to deal with as well. So you really have to be a good multitasker. And I think um, to be launching a fashion brand now, I think you really need to know who you are, yeah. you know, what your brand's about and um, be really strong on that because it's the brands that don't have a strong identity that lose their way. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree with you. Okay, gorgeous SJ, how blessed is Australian fashion to have you? Oh, thanks Mel. And how lucky are we that we can call you all of our own. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been fantastic. Yeah, had fun. Thank you. SJ is such a tour de force and she really does get us thinking about Australia's relentless consumption of alcohol. Thanks for listening today. Please rate and review and don't forget to subscribe to Finding Fearless with Murray Clare. See you next time.